Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. sure on that but I uh I'll just tell you guys as a church this thing would not exist if it wasn't for her the the man that I was stepping into ministry grew up in a certain background um I say it was harsh a little harsh there there were some things that I tried to do on my own strength when it came to ministry and it was Shauna when she stepped into my life that really began to point me to the Holy Spirit and led it and like showing me that you can't do this on your own strength. I remember feeling exhausted and worn out and, and calling her. Um, we dated long distance when I had my first ministry job. I was in Louisiana. She was in Florida. Yeah, with, with some of these Cajuns that have moved here to be a part of Voyage Church. Um, and so uh, I remember calling her one night, like, I'm exhausted. I feel like I fill my cup up. I dump it out on all these snotty-nosed teenagers, and then I go home just waxed. And she was like, John, I think there's a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit that you need to have. And, man, it took me on a journey of, like, three months. I grew up in a background. We didn't talk much about that. And I did. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit on Shoe Peak Bayou in Louisiana all by myself in my apartment. And God changed everything. And so, man, I just want you to know this place um, and what God's doing here. If it wasn't for that woman and her leadership, uh, wouldn't be happening. So, anyways, grateful for her. When you see her, tell her that I talked good about her. Um, but couple things. You just saw that video. So youth at Voyage Church, 6th through 12th grade, are going to camp July 24th through the 28th. If you're interested, if you've got a young person, 6th grade through 12th grade, you're like, man, I want more information. I don't know all about it. I don't know if I'm 100% in, but I'd like to know more. Right after service, if you'll just stay in here, I'll be leading a meeting. Um, you'll get to meet Brianna, who is up here singing. Brianna is spearheading all things youth and young adults at Voyage Church. She's an incredible leader. She's got a bachelor's in ministry leadership through Southeastern University. She went to the ministry training school that Shauna and I led for about four years. She graduated and then packed her bags and moved from Jacksonville just to be a part of Voyage Church. And so um, she's going to do an awesome job, and camp's going to be really incredible. So if you have questions, want to know more, stay right after service for that. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to let you know was um, we have another Selah Sunday coming up. If you were not here for our last Selah Sunday, which was just a couple weeks ago, um, we do something four times a year called Selah Sunday. Selah means to pause and reflect. And so we take a Sunday where we pause and reflect. It takes a lot of work to make this happen. And, uh, you know, most of our team, we're, we're young people. We got young families. And so just a Sunday to pause. And so we did that um, uh, on May 29th. And normally they're not so close together, but because we launched in February, our next one is July 3rd, which happens to be 4th of July weekend. So we know things can get crazy, life gets crazy, maybe family things. Um, so we will not be meeting here in person. So go ahead and mark that down. Um, on the tables up here as well on the way out, um, there's some cards that have all the dates for the rest of the year. And so, man, I, I'd grab one of those and uh, put it in your dash or whatever. Also, the devil's a liar and it feels like heat's coming up out that mug. And they literally came and fixed it like... I don't know, three weeks ago. So someone start praying and interceding while I'm preaching, okay? Because um, that, that we, we, can't, we can't have that. Uh, we are thankful for this school, Miss Fleming. She's amazing. And uh, there's going to be a really cool opportunity at the end of summer for our church to serve all 100 faculty and staff here at this school. We're going to be doing pressure washing, helping them remolts. We're going to feed the teachers. We'll come up, and as my wife was a teacher for six years, as teachers are having to rearrange furniture and laminate and decorate, we're just going to show up with an army of people and just say, hey, we love you, and we just want to serve you the week before school kicks off. Because if you are a teacher in the room, you know that's one of the craziest weeks ever. And so we're just going to do a really good job of serving them. So stay tuned for that. Cool? Very good? Awesome. Well, if you... Uh, you haven't been to Voyage Church, we're actually jumping into not a series, but what Shauna and I call just like a theme for the summer. When we were getting ready to start Voyage Church, there's a lot of factors that, that came into play for this thing to become a reality. We, we always say paper dream into a reality is what we're sitting in. And there was a statement that Shauna got from the Lord, and it was live life well. Live life well. And we were just talking about like the vision and the heart. And one of the things she said is she's like, I just really want people, if they're a part of our church and call this place home, how do they live life well? Whatever your current season is, and this doesn't mean perfect, this doesn't mean no problems, no issues. We believe that the principles of Jesus allow us to live life well. That when everything around you is shaking, you'll never be more glad that you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can still live life well when it gets darker and it gets crazier. And people can look at our lives and we don't make it about us. If someone looks and says, how are you going through that and you've still got joy? How are you going through that and you've still got peace? 
Our responsibility is we just point to the one who's worthy. We are, we are pointing to the one who deserves all the glory. The only way I could live life well through chaotic and crazy seasons is because of Jesus. Amen? And so really what this uh, summer is, we're going to talk about foundations. Every week we're going to talk about a different foundation. I'm going to ask you some questions. Some of those questions are going to be challenging for you personally to really begin to think, man, what are the foundations of my life? Like, have I just gone through the motions as maybe a college student or a high school student or maybe as a, a, just a young couple who's married with no kids? Or maybe you're married and you had ki kids sooner than you expected. And then it was like, man, we didn't really have time to lay any foundations. We were just trying to keep up. And I think there's, there's, it, there's no too late when it comes to choosing what the foundations will be for your life and your family. Because anything, this is just a statement you'll hear around here. We've said it before. My wife and I, we want our ceiling, wherever, wherever we get to in life, we want our ceiling to be our kid's floor, the next generation's floor. But foundation matters. Look at somebody say, foundation matters. All right, 14 of you, cool. Um, write the title down, and I'm going to pray. The title of my message today is Sandcastle Kings and Queens. Sandcastle Kings and Queens. Nobody's writing it down. Look, note takers are history makers, okay? I got a whole lot of notes. Pull out a smartphone, write this junk down. Because you might think, well, I don't need it right now. But there's a future version of you in like five years that's going to need to read this. And God's going to say, yeah, you thought you were taking notes then, but you weren't taking notes for now. You were taking a note of a seed for a future season in five years, okay? All right. Everybody's like, I ain't doing it anyways. That's fine. You just won't have any seed in five years. All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive. We thank you that you tell us in the word that you are the one who leads and guides in all truth. So lead and guide us today. Holy Spirit, may I just be a vessel. May you do your work that only you can do. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Um, any sandcastle people out there? Anybody enjoy building sandcastles? All right, handful of people. Where's my people who are like, sand is from the devil. I hate sand. Yeah, I knew we'd get some of those. Even in like the panhandle of Florida. Like you're probably the person. See, when I got married to Shauna, not a huge beach person, right? Um, I, I have grown. It's been 10 years and I've grown. But this is what I've grown to. I just, I got to be real with you. I have grown to the level of I'm a beach person if she gives me time and says, hey, in four days from now on Saturday, we're going to wake up and spend the entire day at the beach with the kids. Okay, I got time to mentally prep. I'm ready. I know that I'm going to have sand and crevices. It's going to be everywhere, but it's okay. I'm making up my mind. I'm going to have a good attitude. Philippians chapter 2, I have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Like, I'm just going to have a good attitude. I'm going to do this. But my wife is different. My wife could, like, leave the house without shoes, which is probably something she does often because she's just, like, dude, she could live a second from the beach, and she'd be fine. She could have a bathing suit in the trunk. She could have a tank top, pair of jean shorts, and she don't need nothing else. Like, she's fine. She, she could be like, oh, John, we're only 10 minutes from the beach. I didn't realize the store was that close. Let's just go real quick. And I'm like, I don't want to go. So then I'm on the beach with shoes, and I'm like, I don't want sand anywhere. I don't want sand anywhere. And she's just like sits down in her jean shorts in the sand, and I'm like, <gasps> and then I'm thinking, I just vacuumed the car. That sand will be in the car. Like, just a lot of processing. But maybe you're a person and you enjoy sand. But I don't know if you've ever built a sand castle. Let's be honest. In this room, we probably all are mediocre at building sandcastles. Now, there could be someone in here like, no, I've actually been in some competitions and I got some trophies. Find me after service because that's incredible. I'm serious. I will come cheer you on. I will. Because I one time accidentally walked upon a sandcastle building competition on the beach. And I was blown away. I'm talking the detail. This guy, I don't know if this is legal, but he had a gas-powered, like, uh, air compressor with, like, this little air compressor pin thing. It was like, psst. And he was like, make, I was like, I think that's cheating, but that's legit. Like, it was incredible. And I mean, the detail in these things, the hours that they spend, and they, everything has to be done at the right spot on the beach. They have to know when the tide's going to rise and when it's going to fall because, man, the judges have got, it doesn't matter how good it looks. If it don't last long enough for the judges to show up, too bad. Sorry. So, man, I was just blown away at the detail and everything that goes into it. And as I was preparing this message, and you heard the scripture Jonathan read um, during the service, and we'll be building around that idea about the man who built his house on the rock. Um, I will just tell you this today, that there is nothing better than building God's kingdom. There's nothing better than being part of the church. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. This is something I wrote down. I was talking with a friend this past week, and I really hope this gets into the fabric of your soul, is that church is not about attending. Church is about tending to the garden of your soul. This is not, God, are you proud? Will you please make sure you checked off attendance? I was there today. This isn't for God. 
in terms of, God, I went to church. Are you happy? God's like, no, no, no. I, I established my church and died for her for you. You need the community of God to be able to build an unshakable kingdom. And when you attend church, it's not attending. It's tending to the garden of your soul. It's tending to the things that you and I need. We need that, look, there is public encounters with God and there's private encounters with God. And when it comes to the things of God, it's not an either or thing. It's a both and. Amen? We need to be in God's presence. To live a life well is to build a life that has the capacity to carry God's truth and love to the generations that follow. And for this to be possible, the first foundation we'll talk about this summer is your life has to be built on the foundation of God's word. It has to be built on the foundation of God's word. Not God's word that you hear every Sunday. No, God's word that you get into your heart, that you dig into and literally begin to establish your home life, the way that you talk to your spouse, the way you talk to your kids, the way that you believe for your future based upon the principles found in the word of God. A generation... And this happened one time at a camp. Let me say it this way. We, we set up the space down here up front. Um, and some people have asked, like, why do you have rugs down there? And uh, for us, like, the rugs aren't spiritual. We don't sprinkle, like, water, holy water. Isn't, okay, none of that. I just know that every time I look in Scripture and I see responding to God, there's always movement. There's always movement. He told Moses, he said, Moses, stand in front of the Red Sea. He says, Moses, lift up your staff. And the Red Sea parted. Now, did Moses' staff do that? Or is it just God inviting Moses to respond to his word and God did the supernatural work? We all understand God parted the Red Sea, right? It, this was not like Moses being like, Hollywood needs to make a movie about my staff. Like if you get a hold of it, it'll change. No, no, no. This was response to God. And so every time God asks something, there is a response. And I remember having moments down here at the altar as a young person. And these moments, as I say, altered my life. They changed everything. And I'll never forget being at a youth camp that Shauna and I led. And we had a night where the Holy Spirit just moved. And for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit put on my heart to talk about father wounds. Young people who had been raised without a father, without a father who was present, or a father who was present but very verbally abusive or maybe even physically abusive. And I listen to me. We had 120 kids at this camp. There were 113 kids at the altar weeping over the pain from their earthly fathers. I know in a room this size, the statistic is high of how many have had issues or there's pain that exists from your earthly father. And I'll never forget the next morning, I had one of our college students preach. Just there was something on her life. I was like, hey, girl, you're preaching in the morning. And she was like, you're crazy. I was like, I know, you're preaching in the morning. And she gets up there, and I'll never forget the first thing she said. I wrote it down because I don't. She said, she's talking to a group of young people, and she says, may we be a generation that doesn't have to that may we be a generation that our kids don't have to be at the altar because of the pain that we have caused. May our kids be at the altar praying for the nations, praying for the hearts that are broken, and praying for revival. And I just remember sitting in the room going, if we could get a hold of this, if we could get a hold of this, that a generation, which is why 19, or what are we, 19 weeks in? Yeah, 19 weeks in as a church, that we're taking young people to camp, that we just gathered young adults last week, 21 young adults in a house that are just hungry and excited about what God's doing in our church. Why? Because if we can make sure that they get hungry for the things of God, their kids might not have to do what some of us have had to go through. And it doesn't mean it'll be perfected, but I believe that a lot of people have just attended church, but Voyage Church, no, we show up here and we want God to be able to tend to the issues in our life so that we can be the men and women that we're called to be by living life well. Living life well. And so um, Luke 6 and Matthew 7, I'm going to read you these two scriptures. This is what we're kind of building everything around. Sandcastle kings and queens. Starting in Luke 6, um, verse 46. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? Hello, this is Jesus speaking. Anybody ever been there? I read it and I was like, oh, why are you talking to me? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and then just goes home and talks at lunch. Says, well, that was a good sermon. No, no, he says, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. Now, that was Luke 6. I'm going to go to Matthew 7. These are both actually the same story, but um, Matthew doesn't say what Luke said there in, uh, in verse 46 and 47. I wanted to set it up, but this is what Jesus goes on to say. Matthew 7, starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, whose words? 
Jesus' words. Everybody say Jesus. All right, you got the answer right. There's your first Bible answer for the day. You got it, 100. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man or woman who built their house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now, I'm going to show you a little bit when it comes to studying scripture and what we call um, expository. Um, We're exposing the meaning of the scripture. And so a lot of times when we see a statement made at the beginning of of, um, some Something that someone's unpacking it could be a full statement, could be a passage of scripture. And here, just in this paragraph, notice it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Okay, everybody say rock. And then at the end, it says, and the rain came, streams rose, winds blew, beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. What's the rock? There's my question. So Jesus, and Jesus is specifically, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. So the rock in your life, the rock in my life, is the word of Jesus, according to Jesus. So this is not like some cute thought that we had, be like, let's build a sermon around this idea of like God's word. No, this is God's word. And it, from Jesus, his mouth said, anyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice, it is as if you are building your life on the foundation of my word. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Here's why I titled this message, Sandcastle Kings and Queens, is because if we honestly evaluated our lives, whatever you do for work or whatever you know, dream and vision you might have with, it, with your spouse of like, you want to get this property or X, Y, Z, and all those things are great. But the question that you and I have to ask ourselves when it comes to any dream or any vision that we have, are we building a sandcastle that we're trying to be kings and queens of? Or are we saying, God, I have a dream for this. Use it however you want to use it. Because I don't want to build a sandcastle that's here today and gone tomorrow. I want to build your kingdom that is established forever to the ends of the age, to for your church to be glorified and lift up, for people who are lost and broken to be able to be found, whether that Lord is at our dining room table. We had a lady just at our island uh, a few weeks ago sitting in our house, and the Lord was just moving right there in that space. And I remember when we got our house, a house that I didn't know if we'd ever be able to afford or have something like this. And God made a way and walking through that house saying, God, this house is yours. It's, it is your house to do what you want. May people walk in here and feel refreshed because of your presence that is present because we are here. Are you building a life that is about your sandcastle, college age students, high school students, when you're thinking about your future, oh, I'm going to go do this. Awesome. Great. Have a dream. Have a future. Have you consulted with God? Is that your sandcastle or is that going to be used for his kingdom? And this isn't about, like, be a preacher, be a worship leader. No, no, this is about be a business owner, be a teacher, be a stay-at-home mom, be a stay-at-home dad, be a machinist, be a doctor, whatever, whatever. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, whether you eat or drink or whatever, everyone say whatever, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And so are we building sandcastles that are here today and gone tomorrow for what makes us comfortable, or are we building something and saying, God, it's yours, because I want this to be built on the foundation of your word for your kingdom. This is why church matters. Planted in the house of God, David says, and you'll flourish. We started our groups this past week. Uh, Wednesday night, Sean and I um, lead a group in Pace. We've got three different groups this summer for eight weeks. And it was so cool to see people in a house. We, we asked some questions about the series we just got out of about the Holy Spirit. And it was so neat just to hear people talk about what they've learned, what God's been speaking to them and doing in their hearts. And it's not that Look, this is important. We've got to gather like this. But then there's something about just breaking bread together, being in a house together. Acts 2.42, they broke bread and they devoted themselves to the word. And it was such an incredible night. Just, hey, we, we ate some really good food. And then we talked about the things of God. And just to hear where everybody is and how they're growing. And this is what I realized. Jesus didn't show up. Anybody ever seen the show Extreme Home Makeover? Don't lie. Be like, I'm, no, not me. Yes, you did. Some of you fellas are like, move that butt. Like, yes, you did, okay? <laughs> Stop lying in church. I just need you to understand, though, a lot of times we treat Jesus and the church about like, man, I just got some things in my life. God, I just need you to kind of do an extreme home makeover. 
just make a little, I need to stop doing this so much. I need to stop looking at this. I could probably like drink a little less, maybe cuss a little less. God, could you just kind of do a makeover? And then I, I notice people have that mentality. They come to church for a bit and they fall out and they're struggling. They're like, man, I don't know. It just didn't really work out for me. That's because you thought God was going to do a makeover when he was concerned with a takeover. He wanted everything in your life. He wanted every thought, every word, every action. God didn't come to do extreme home makeover. He came to do an extreme takeover of your life and completely flip everything upside down, crash your sandcastle so that he could show you that your life and your fulfillment will be found when you build his kingdom. There's some people in the room, you've got a dream and it's amazing. It's incredible, but you've been trying to do it in your own effort. And the moment that you begin to attach it to God's kingdom, whether that's through generosity with giving, whether that's being a business owner and saying, you know what, we're going to pray before we send everybody out, um, you know, to this or that, or Hey, when everybody shows up, like I got one of my lead team people and they're going to pray before we start slinging coffee at a cup, whatever it is. Are you saying, God, this is yours to build your kingdom? He came to do a takeover because a life built on sand will not stand. So two questions I want you to ask yourself during this series. I have two questions for you today. The first one is this. Just write these down. Based on where I am today, based on where I am today, what kind of life am I building and who is it for? And, and you, you spend time today answering that. This week, ponder on it. Be honest with yourself. You know one of the most dangerous things in life and most hurtful things? I know nobody in here would be like, I love when people lie to me. No one would say this, right? But you know one of the scariest things? According to the book of James, it's, it says, whoever hears the word of God and doesn't do it fools themselves. One of the scariest things in life is to hear when Jesus says, whoever hears the words of mine and acts on them. The scariest thing in life is not people who lie to you. It's you who lie to you. And you believe it. I've been there. Heard the word of God. Been in church every week. Yeah, hallelujah. Amen. So good. Love that worship song. It's incredible. Felt some goosebumps. And there's been seasons in my life where I could just sense in a moment where I chose to get still, stop the distractions, and Jesus saying, when are you going to act on my words? When are you going to act on them? Because Based on where I am today, what kind of life am I building and who is it for? And the second question is this. Does what I have built or am building have a central focus on Jesus and his church? Say it one more time. Does what I have built or am building have a central focus on Jesus and his church? Here's why I asked that. Colossians 1.17. I don't have it on the screens, but it says this. In him meaning Jesus, all things hold together. When I do premarital counseling, when Sean and I meet with a couple, I'll let them know, hey, look, I know you're all in love right now, but you ain't gonna feel this all the time, okay? Because people don't fall in love. You fall in holes. You don't fall in love. Our culture is like, I found my one and only. You do understand that if you believe in one true love, and if just one Jacked up person, which I think there's a couple on the planet, chose the wrong one. They just threw off the eternal balance of true love in the whole planet. Think about that. Unless love is actually what God says is there is this true love that exists within choice, and it's unconditional, and it says, I love you regardless. Through sickness and in health, richer or poor, officiated a lot of weddings. And I've watched people make those vows and just all in. I've watched some vain people go, richer or richer. And I remember, like, literally, they said this while I'm up there officiating. I'm like, yeah, God ain't going to bless that. <laughs> when it comes to the things of God, in Jesus is the only way it holds together. Your dream for your future, which get a dream and a vision for your future and your family, but let it be centered on Jesus and his church because that's the only thing that doesn't crash. So are we building lives on lasting foundations, or are we just building sandcastles and calling ourselves kings and queens? So first thing that happens when you build a building is what? Foundation. Now, I would say a little bit before that, so I'm going to show you some pictures in a second. My dad built three houses um, that I grew up in, okay? My dad's a machinist by trade, but he can literally build anything. I think the only piece of furniture in his house that he didn't build was his couch, Okay, like literally every coffee table, cabinet, entertainment center, bed, like everything, okay? Um, and he built the house. He, he ran the electrical. He put the truck. Zach's been to my parents' house. It's, it, he's a craftsman. This is not like, oh, that's kind of sturdy. No, this is like 
And my wife's always like, John, why don't you have that? I'm like, babe, I can build the church, okay? That's all I got. I'm sorry. I ain't got all doing trigonometry in my mind and stuff like that. It's not my thing. But my dad built these houses, three of them that, that I lived in growing up. Well, actually, I lived in two of them. The third one, he waited to me and my sister were out. Him and my mom were like, let's build the one we really wanted. Um, and so I'll never forget being somewhere between sixth to eighth grade. My dad bought a piece of property, and it was just covered in woods. And I'll never forget dad saying, hey, this is where we're going to build our house. But I'm looking at it going, that's just a bunch of woods. So what are you going to do, get a tractor? He's like, nope. And mom and dad didn't have a lot of money then. And dad, sure enough, went out with me and him and a chainsaw and started cutting trees down, like tree trees, like, 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 like big old trees. They'd hit the ground. Then he'd start cutting limbs. He'd say, okay, you drag limbs to the end of the road. Y'all, I am maybe 85 pounds, maybe. I mean, there are limbs, like, I, I can remember uh, I played Pop Warner football, and they make you hit the dummy and, like, drive. I just remember telling myself, I'm like, drive. I would go in nowhere. Stuff would just get stuck. And I'm talking for hours and hours, we would just drag limbs to the road. Because the thing, yes, to build a building, you must first have a foundation. But there's some things in your life and my life that we need to cut out. You ain't putting any foundation in something that has not been ridded of the things that can't be there for the foundation to be laid. But here's the thing about foundations. They're not sexy. No one walks up to a brand new building and says, look at that foundation. Man. No, I mean, unless you're like a person who builds, you probably walk in and you go, Wow. Look at this. But everything you see and its ability to last only exists because of what you're standing on. So here's a couple pictures. I remember we got everything cleared out. And so here's my dad. Um, he gets the dirt laid out. He's about to get ready to dig footers, okay? And um, so my mom sent me these. So go to the next one. Um, so here's me and my sister. She's shooting the water, and I got the little thing that, like, patent, packing everything down. Um, and to be honest, that's a great picture because of my face. But honestly, it was a... Like, it was moving kind of crazy, and it shook me to death. Um, keep going. And so you see here, they have the footers dug, and they've got the rebar in there. So they're getting close, ready to pour the concrete in there for the footers before we can even lay a foundation. Go to the next one. And then here they are. They're beginning to lay the foundation at this point. And, I mean, look at the amount of men that this takes. Mr. Matt here, Mr. Scott Rosenblum, these are all guys. I, my, my dad, they're really good friends that were in the church, and they just... Gave up their own time to come help dad. But like you can see with the two by four, they're pouring the concrete and they're having to rock the two by four back and forth to get everything level. Then Mr. Matt's there and he's grab, grabbing the, the, um, the, the concrete and he's scraping it, pulling it back and they just continue to move. And these guys had it down like, like science. I was there that day, but I didn't do much. I'm gonna be honest. I just got in the way. Um, dad would just like tell me to like grab the water hose and go spray off the two by four once it got too much concrete stuck to it. But look at what it takes. Look at what it takes. You're going to have to build your life on the foundation of God's word. But the reason I keep going back to the fact that the church matters, I don't, if it's not Voyage Church and you're like, ah, oh, that's not really my style, go find a church that preaches Jesus and find yourself planted in it. Because I'm telling you, if you say, well, I love God and I read the word and I'll build my life on that foundation, you won't do it without some people around you. The foundation won't get laid. Go to the next one. And so you can see there, that section is, I think that was actually the front porch or the back porch, I'm not sure. Um, keep going. Yeah, and then there you can see, I remember it rained, and my dad was pretty upset, um, so you can see some of the, the puddles there, and he was just praying. I remember he had to go out and fix a few um, things that happened because of the rain. Is that the last one? I think that's it. Yep. Um, and so I just want you to see that when I'm talking about living life well and your foundation being the word, this is not going to be, you're not going to feel this all the time. It's not going to be when the team started leading, he won't. I was like, I'll punch the devil in the mouth right now. Like, let's go. Like, I feel, I don't wake up in the morning and be like, yes, man, I just feel like I'm victorious. Sometimes I'm like, I just don't want to do this. I don't feel it. But isn't it so great that our faith is not about feeling? Aren't you so thankful that we can have faith, which is believing in that which we can't see? It's, it's the, the hope of things unseen, the, the substance of things not seen, and the evidence uh, and the things that are unseen, the, to having hope. I, I love the fact that faith is this. It would be great if we said, if I could just see it, I would believe it. But when we make that statement, you know what would happen if you just saw it? God always moves supernaturally through faith. It is actually faith that he longs for. So if he just revealed everything to us and we didn't need to believe in the things unseen, then we actually wouldn't have anything to build our life on. It would just happen for us easily. All right, let me tell you a couple of things about God's word. First one is this. What is God's word? Historically accurate. It's historically accurate. Yeah, I have this one. Historically accurate. 
It's full of proven principles. You know what I love about the word of God? I have met business owners. I've, I've got a lot of friends who stand in different places in life, friends that are agnostic, atheist, friends that stand different when it comes to, you know, what they believe about sexuality, all that kind of stuff. Why? Because I'm supposed to love people. And it's not my job to change people. That's the Holy Spirit's job to change people. And I have a friend who just was really struggling with this whole idea about, like, tithing, giving 10%. And as a business owner who's an agnostic, he doesn't say there is no God, but he's not sure what to believe. He started doing a 10% deal. Now, he wasn't giving it to the church. But he was giving it to an organization. And he came, he came back to me and was like, dude, it's crazy. Our business, like, more is coming in than I've ever seen. And I'm like, dude, that's because God's principles work. They work. Some of you are like, dude, come on. That doesn't happen. Of course it does. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said there will be people in heaven who will come up to Jesus in heaven and say, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We healed the sick in your name. And Jesus will look at them and say, depart from me, you worker of wickedness, for I never knew you. So what's going on? You're telling me that the name of Jesus is so powerful that even someone who doesn't know him can use it and miracles happen? How much more powerful would it be if sons and daughters did it? How much more powerful for those that are actually building our life on the foundation? The Bible is full of proven principles. The, second, the third one is this. It's infallible. That's kind of like a big uh, theological word. Another one is inerrant. Basically, it means incapable of error. I remember someone asking me one time, hey, John, what would you think if I told you that I don't actually believe everything in the Bible? There's some stuff like, oh, I'm not too sure about like the guy getting eaten by the whole big fish thing and Noah's are all that. I'm just not too sure about all that stuff. At the end of the day, I can't tell you what you've got to believe, but you better be very, very careful on a road like that. You want to know why? Because if you keep going down that road, you'll land on something where it's like, Mary, I don't really know if she was a virgin. If Mary wasn't a virgin and Jesus wasn't born of the Holy Spirit, then his sacrifice means nothing, and we're wasting our hour and 25 minutes here. It, it, there's no power to it. But if everything that is in Scripture is inerrant, incapable of having any error, then maybe it is the very thing that is foundation. Do you want to know why so many people reject specifically? I was reading a statistic the other day. The most per persecuted religion or faith in the world is Christianity. Still right now, statistically, around the earth, more Christians are persecuted than any other faith. Do you want to know why? Because it's the only faith that says lay everything down that you have so that you can receive what he has. It's not your effort. It's not your work. It's accepting his work and everything that he already did. And so many people struggle to say, I believe this, and it, it is my foundation, because it's going to cause you and I to surrender and give up. And that's a difficult thing. Is there anybody in here who loves just the giveaway control? And this is why the gospel is good news, but yet it's not an easy thing. It's a worth it thing. It's a worth it thing. The Bible is absolute truth. It's the final authority, and it is alive. And, and there's scriptures I could show you with all this. If you have questions, you can come to me. Um, I want to get to the last part of this because I don't want to drag too long. But um, when I say alive, here's what I, I'll never forget the Lord revealing this to me one day. So there's a scripture we'll read in a second. That scripture is God-breathed. I say it this way. God authored it. Man penned it. Okay. Like humans wrote this out, but God authored it. It's inspired by him. His spirit was on them when they were writing it. But I'll never forget realizing one day that this is God breathed, and I started thinking about breath. Make sure y'all wipe this down with Clorox wipe afterwards. People been sick around here. What if this really is alive? And some people are like, oh, I don't need to read that scripture again. I already read it. But what if you caught it on an exhale last time? What if you're going to catch it on an inhale? What if it's literally so alive that the same scripture over and over could do a new thing in your life right in that moment? A new way that you've never seen it because you're in a new season you've never been in. His word is alive. So look at 2 Timothy 3, 13 through 17. But evil people and imposters will proceed from bad to worse. In other words, things are going to get bad. People are bad. And it's just going to get worse. Newsflash, we win. Deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. This will rebuke you. This will teach you. This will train you. This will correct you. But not because God's mad at you, but because he wants you to be fully equipped for the purpose in your life. This is why this has to be a foundation. 
So our first question was, what is God's word? I just told you. My second question is this, who is God's word? John 1, 1 through 5, in the beginning was the word, the word is with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the the oh, I was going fast, and the life was the light of mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. So we see that right here, something's being written by John, and it's talking about the word of God, and he was there in the beginning, but then we see in verse 14 who he is, and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. We saw his glory, the glory of the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Can I tell you that when you build your life on the foundation of the word, do you know who you're building your life on? Jesus, because Jesus is the word. He is the word made flesh. If you go read the message version, I like it way better. It's a little more gangster. It says the word became flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. I'll flip a neighborhood upside down with Jesus. Let's go. You get love, you get grace, you get mercy, your brokenness restored. Because I've got a foundation that's unshakable. I've got a love that endures through every generation. So the word is Jesus. I'll tell you this, if you'll get more in love with God's word, you'll get more in love with Jesus. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will also declare to you what is to come. We just came out of a series about the Holy Spirit, and I'm telling you, if you want to build your life on the foundation of God's word, you're going to have to invite the Holy Spirit in every time you read it, because you're going to read some stuff, and you're going to be like, Pastor John said we need to be reading the word. That don't make no sense. All right, let's go to work. Like, it's going to happen. You're not going to understand everything in it. You're not reading it to always understand it. You're reading it because you know that it can be a foundation. Like, I'm telling you, I was standing there watching my dad and all of them build a, a foundation, pour, pour the slab, and my dad's like, hey, John, go grab the water hose, spray off this two-by-four. I don't even really know what they're doing. All I know is my dad says that this foundation will work if I'll just obey him. Oh, I'm, I'm going somewhere. I hope you're not missing what I'm saying. My earthly dad was giving me some instructions and was letting me know, John, I understand. I know what I'm doing. You don't have to make sense of it all. Just obey what I'm telling you, and a foundation is being built. John, you'll sleep on this foundation one day. I'll build something to cover you one day. I will put you in a place of rest. I'm telling you that you might not understand all the words, but your father's telling you that it can be a foundation it will build your life on it and when the storms come and the rivers rise you will not collapse you won't collapse because his word is firm people can start saying whatever they want to say oh well, I think some of that stuff in the Bible is extreme this is an extreme faith I meet people that are like man I don't want to get all weird I believe that God sent his one and only son to be born of a 16 to 18 year old virgin and then lived a sinless life, crawled on a cross, my cross, died, got out the grave and killed death three days later, ascended into heaven, sent his spirit to live in me so that I can fulfill my purpose in life. It's already weird. His blood washes me clean. Look, this is not about, I don't want to see, this is our faith. This is what we believe. We either do or we don't. But I know when I've watched people that do, Man, the foundation's so strong. It lasts so long. We could literally look at generations right now and be like, how come people of two, three generations behind us, how come their marriage has lasted so long? But the divorce rate is just insane in our culture. I'm just telling you, you, you can go look at records. Shauna's gra uh, grandparents were pastors for 40 years. We've gone back and looked at, like, church records. Shauna has. She's looked at them and been like, there's some crazy stuff in there. You will see that people were in church. They believed the word of God. And they built their life on the principles of God. I'm just telling you, there's things that last when you have a good foundation. Amen? And in this foundation is where truth comes from. It says in John 8, 31, 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Can I tell you something? That if the Holy Spirit leads us into truth through the word of God, you know what else the word of God will do? It will lead you out of lies. There's some of you believing lies about yourself. You're not enough. You, you won't be enough. You're not good enough. I'm telling you the word of God will lead you right out of those lies and into his truth. That he saw you as more than enough. That he saw you as worth it to lay down his life so that you could find yours. In him, it's worth it. And here's the beautiful thing about the word of God. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. If you want your faith to grow... This is the only place it grows. It doesn't grow because we just attend church. It doesn't grow because we say, I believe in God, and you put like a really cute little like verse on your Instagram handle or Facebook or whatever. Like, that's fine. But this is where faith grows. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And I'll tell you this. 
Come to church, hear someone preach the word of God. Important, it matters. But you'll never grow in your faith more than when you hear you say the word. You need to hear yourself read the word. Hear yourself say, God, I believe this. And so I'm going to fast forward to close with this. Um, Josh, I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to get there. Yeah, Luke 7. Luke 7. So I asked a question a second ago. I don't know if you caught it. That thing is from hell. I'm telling you right now. Someone on our team make a note because I'm calling the school tomorrow. Um, Love them. I'm just saying it's just like, anybody else sweating or just me? Okay, all right. Good, good, good. Oh, it's just me. Y'all feel good. Oh, you cold. Well, hey, the Lord's just letting me take the hell for everybody. All right. I'll do it. I'm a living sacrifice, God. So you've probably maybe not said this statement out loud, but you've thought it. I alluded to it earlier. If you've been at Boyd's Church for any amount of time, I've said it before. I know I've said before, man, if I could have just been on the planet and seen Jesus, if I could have seen it, if I could have seen the miracles, the struggles that I have with my faith, I would never have them, right? But last week, we talked about the upper room. There were 120 people in the upper room, right? We know that Jesus appeared historically to over 500 people. Where were the other 380? They saw the resurrected Christ. So we say that we would be there, but even people who were there weren't there. Even people who saw the resurrected Jesus didn't stick around. But there's something, remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, right? There's two times in the scriptures that Jesus is amazed by faith. Only two times. One time he's amazed by a lack of faith. You know where it's at? It's kind of crazy. It's in his own hometown. It says Jesus was amazed by their lack of faith for he could not perform many miracles there. In his very own hometown, people had little faith and because of lack of faith, miracles couldn't flow. We do understand faith is what gets the things of God to your life. You're saved by what? Grace through faith is the conduit. This is how I taught teenagers, okay? You can, you need to water some plants, but the spigots over there, well, the most efficient way is a water hose. Plug it in, turn on the source, and let it flow, right? Faith is the water hose. Faith is what gets the things from the source of God to where they need to be. He says that his miracles, he couldn't do many. He was amazed at the lack of faith. The other time he's amazed by faith is amazed by great faith. The crazy thing is he's amazed not by a Jewish person or a religious person. He's amazed by a Roman centurion. Check this scripture out. Let's read it together. Uh, Luke um, 7, starting in verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. And at that time, a highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. And the officer heard about Jesus, and he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does. So notice, Roman sends Jewish guys, respected Jewish guys, because he's hoping, well, maybe Jesus will, like, believe them a little bit better because Jesus is a Jew and these guys are Jews. Sends the Jewish guys, and they're, like, on behalf of the Roman. They're like, no one deserves this more than this centurion and his slave, okay? So it says, um, if anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. So we know, according to the, the historical um, facts here, that this Jewish guy was actually, he, he worked on behalf of the Jewish people and some of the Romans, uh, not so much, okay? And so it says, so Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer, so now we've got the Roman guy, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home. So according to where we're at right now, Jesus still has not seen the Roman officer face to face. Don't miss this. See some of y'all yawning. Someone chop somebody in the throat right now. So Jesus went with them just before they arrived at the house. The officer said, sent some friends, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. So the Roman still hasn't met Jesus. He lives in the same day and age. Jesus is maybe less than a mile from his house. He could see Jesus face to face, the miracle worker, and he says he's not worthy. I'm not worthy to come meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Now, there are crowds around Jesus, and these are religious people, mainly Jewish people. And look, it says, turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, Jesus, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. 
God's chosen people, I haven't even seen faith like this. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. You're telling me that there's a guy who could have seen Jesus, the king of kings, in flesh, was just a little bit from his house and said, I'm not worthy to have him come to my house, which Jesus was willing. I'm not worthy to even see him face to face. I've heard the stories. I know his word is powerful. I believe it can be a foundation. Just say the word. In other words, we have no excuse to be like, man, if I'd have been there and I could have seen it, some of my struggles wouldn't be so bad. No, right now in 2022, over 2,000 years later, Jesus, just say the word. I believe that my marriage is going to be restored. I believe that my kids are coming back. God, I believe this dream you put in my heart is not dead, and you're going to see it come to pass. Just say the word. Just say the word. But you know what's happened when it comes to us struggling with our faith? There's a quote by a guy named William Booth. This is my last statement. You stand to your feet. There's a quote by a guy named William Booth. Anybody know who William Booth is? Raise your hand if you know. Awesome. One person. I love it. When I say what he founded, you'll be like, oh. Um, Well-known pastor theologian from the late 1800s um, into the 1900s, he passed away. This is the man who started the Salvation Army. So William Booth, next time someone quizzes you, now you got a little bit of a little bit of. Uh, facts there to win some weird game. Listen to what he said. This was early 1900, I believe, when he wrote this. Now, I'm just letting you know, why do we struggle with the word of God being our foundation? Why do we struggle to take God at his word? And maybe you don't. Maybe you're in here and you're like, bro, I believe it. God's blessing moving. Incredible. Can we have coffee this week? Because I need you to counsel me. Um, but Notice what he says, speaking, he's in the early 1900s, speaking about what you and I are living in right now. Listen to this. The chief danger of the 20th century will be religion without the Holy Spirit, which is why we did a Holy Spirit series for the past four weeks, because we will not be a church that has to operate without the Holy Spirit. Christianity without Christ. We're not coming in here, putting on a cute show, giving you some nice little talks that like help you apply better leadership principles to your business and make you, no, no, no. Christ. Christ, the firm foundation, the first and the last. Forgiveness without repentance. God will just forgive you and you can keep living however you want. No, no, no. Remember last week, the woman caught in adultery, caught in sin. Jesus said, I don't accuse you. I don't accuse you. Where are your accusers? They're gone. There's grace, forgiveness. He said, go and sin no more. You get to walk in freedom. Forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration, which means I just want to get saved and it's my get out of hell free card and I'm just going to hang out till Jesus comes back. No, constantly being made new, made more and more like Christ. He says, politics without God. I want to be very clear there because some people are like, man, we just need to stay out of it. And I don't say the church. I'm just telling you, when you begin to take godly principles out of politics, which has a responsibility to govern people, and there's not a better governor than King Jesus, amen? When you begin to take God out of governance, you'll feel the effects. You just will. And heaven without hell. There's a, there's a thing happening in the church where there's pastors who don't preach on hell and say, hey, we don't talk about it. And they don't talk about the blood of Jesus anymore. And I'm like, the blood of Jesus is the only thing that gets me out of hell. Hell on earth and hell after earth. I need the blood of Jesus. I need Christ. I need the Holy Spirit. I need this firm foundation, the word of God. I am telling you today, to live life well is to be founded on the word of God. You don't have to understand it all for it to begin to work in your life. You don't have to read chapters and chapters. Wake up in the morning. There's an app called YouVersion. You can just type in Bible and it'll actually pop up. It will send you a verse of the day every day. Just read one verse. Just start somewhere. Look at someone and say, start somewhere. Just start somewhere. Just start somewhere. Because the word of God is your foundation. I promise you, my dad, you saw the pictures. Those pictures were not all taken on the same day. There were trees that had to be removed. There were tractors that had to come in and get things moved out and leveled out. There were footers that had to be dug, rebar that had to be put in. Then I can remember all of it set up for this day where my dad keeps going out there after work. And he'd drive out there and he'd look and he'd do a couple things. And there was finally a day where he told my mom, I'm going to call the concrete company and make an appointment. Can I tell you that continue to build your life on the word of God, that dream, that vision, that thing that's in your heart. You just keep building your life on the foundation. And one day your father will make an appointment and you'll see something come to pass because he won't fail. He never has. He's not starting now. He's not starting with you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, forever victorious on your behalf. 
when we build our life on his word. So this is what I want to do. The team's going to lead us in that song one more time. And I just really sense this today. And if you're in the room and you're like, man, I believe the word of God, but I do struggle a little bit to like get in the word and, and to, 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 to be, I, I, I've been in this place in my life. I love God. I love the church and I love the worship. And so I'll spend more time listening to worship songs than being in the word of God. Can I tell you one of my favorite things about this team? When they pick songs and we talk about songs and they write songs, we're going through the word and we're like, yeah, 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 that lines up. We're not just singing something. We're singing the word. So listening to worship in your car, that's important. But I'm telling you today, if you've never had a moment with Jesus where you said, Jesus, I want to fall more in love with you than I am today. And I'm telling you, who's, who's the word? Anybody remember? Who's the word? Jesus. If you want to fall more in love with Jesus, get in his word. Today, if you've never made a commitment, not a, like, sure, there's times, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you've never done that, man, I'll, I'll be standing right over here. I'd love to talk with you and point you in the direction of surrendering your life to Christ. But I think in a room this size, as I see many people that have been coming, I think that it's time for a group of people to make a commitment. I'm in his word every day. I'm just going to do it. Set yourself a goal, 21 days, every day in the word. No ifs, ands, or buts. I might not understand it, but I'm going to do it. Just see what happens. If nothing changes after 21 days, go back to the way you were before. But if something starts happening, if something starts shifting, you start feeling your faith rising, it might be because it's the only foundation that we can build our life on. So I'm going to pray over you. The altars are open. Maybe you and a spouse, maybe just you, whatever that looks like. I'd encourage you to come down front, make a move in front of Jesus saying, Jesus, I want to build my life on your word. I'm going to take this step and I'm going to do it. And, let, and again, that's why we're called Voyage Church. I'm not telling you magic happens here. I'm telling you commitments happen here so that you can begin to see him work as you go on the voyage of following Jesus. Amen? So right now, Holy Spirit, we just come before you in this room over every heart and every life. God, I pray that a commitment, a hunger, a desire for your word stirs up within them. God, I know it would be so much easier, God, to just come to church and let someone else talk about the word and let someone else do the work. But Jesus, you want a personal relationship with us. You want to bring unique revelation to each and every one of us. So Jesus, we, we celebrate your church and us coming together as a whole, but God, we make personal commitments to getting in your word, to getting in your word that we want to live life well for your glory. May this be our foundation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city. 